If you would please uh, stand with me. We're getting ready to read uh, in Romans. We're continuing what we've been doing in Romans chapter 8. And um, this is going to be um, two verses, three verses, continuing what was preached on last week. We are talking more and more about the Holy Spirit and the role of the Christian life, what it looks like for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you would, read with me Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12. I'll read aloud, you follow along. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'm not sure when the last time you've looked uh, at houses online, but I remember uh, when, when my wife and I, five years ago, were looking for houses, uh, the internet is, is a wonderful tool for that. And what we do is go on Allen Tate website or, or, or one, of the, one of the realtors' websites, and we would check out all of the different houses available in the area that we're looking at in our price range. And as you would click on a house, um, it would show you different snapshots of that house. You could see the outside and what that looks like. You see the backyard. You could see a different snapshot of the kitchen and a different snapshot of the living room, master bedrooms over and over and over again. And as you looked at these different snapshots from the house, you'd start to get an understanding of what this new house would look like. From these different snapshots, you start to get an understanding of, of what this new house could be. Today, we're going to continue in Romans, as, as I've said. We're going to look at these three verses. And what these three verses do is they give us snapshots, not of a new house, but of a new life. They give us three different pictures of what it is to live life in the Spirit. Three pictures, a new life in the Spirit. Now, as we've been looking in Romans, we've seen, we've been on a journey and Romans starts out by really hammering in the problem of sin. What a big deal it is that you and I are sinful in the presence of a holy God who has created us to be with him, but our sin tears us away from God. Our sin not only tears us away from God, but it leads to spiritual death in our lives. This is the journey we've been on. Now, we also saw in Romans, not only are we, are we sinners who are under God's wrath with, with spiritual death, but God in his mercy and his grace didn't leave us in that condition. He pursued us. He rescued us and brought us by faith into a renewed relationship with him. And through that, he poured his spirit on us. We have a new life. Well, in Romans 7, we saw that it's not, it's not a a clean break from the old. You know, there's the old life of sin. There's the new life that we as Christians lead. But Romans 7 shows us what a struggle that is and how in our own power, we can't do it. In our own power, we cannot live the life that God's calling us to live as Christians. But Romans 8 starts and we see this wonderful truth of how as Christians, we have the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God gives us a new life. The Spirit of God, as we read in Ezekiel, gives us a new heart, a new reality. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about the implications today of this new Spirit in us, the Holy Spirit that lives in us. 
what that means for our life. And what we're going to do is look at three pictures, and each picture is going to give us a practical challenge. Three pictures of the new life in the Holy Spirit. And each of those pictures is going to give us a different practical challenge. First of all, uh, let's start off in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, it says, debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. So we start off, we have, first of all, a financial picture. All right, a financial picture. There's this imagery of, of finances, of debtors, of being in debt. All right, now, I know this is a tough one to start off on because this is hard to get excited about being a debtor. Yet, this is what I've got to work with today, so this is what we're going to talk about. We are, according to God, we are debtors uh, as Christians. That's a part of, of living this new life. Now, what it doesn't mean, what, what, what it doesn't mean is that God has given us some capital that we borrow and we're called to pay back. That's not what this passage is saying. In fact, it's very clear in the Bible that everything we have is a free gift from God. Not, not on loan, but it's a free gift from God and we couldn't possibly pay God back. All right? So it's not suggesting that we have this payment back to God when it says we're debtors. What does it mean? Well, I would suggest that, that it means, as the NIV and the New American Standard translates it, we have an obligation. Right? That's, if you're reading an NIV or a, a New American Standard, you're going to see that it says, rather than debtors, we have an obligation to live not according to the flesh. I remember when my wife and I, about three years ago, we, we started realizing that financially, things weren't the way we wanted them to be. We started realizing that things were just kind of piling, and by things I mean debt. Uh, we, we both had some school loans that had kind of started piling up debt for us. In addition, we, we uh, purchased a car and took out a, a loan for that, and so more debt on top of that. And then we had a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of credit card debt, and it just kind of piled on. And for a while... You know, we just kind of lived as if that was okay. And then we started feeling convicted that, you know what? As debtors, we needed to live so that we could get out from under this debt. As debtors, we needed to change our lives. We needed to change the way we live. As debtors, not to the flesh, but to the spirit, we are called as Christians to live a life according to, to the spirit. According to this passage, there's two options. Okay? Two options. We are we are debtors, Romans 8 says. The question is debtors to whom? Well, on the one hand, we could be debtors to the flesh. All right? There there is an option. There's two there's two sources. There's uh, there's the flesh and there's the spirit. So, we could be debtors to the flesh, hypothetically. And and what does that mean? What does it mean to be a debtor to the flesh? Well, that means that you would live your life according to the rule of the flesh. You would live your life under obligation to the flesh. Galatians 5.9 gives us a great picture of what this would look like. Galatians 5.9 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, and the list goes on and on and on. The works of the flesh. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is that if we were to live according to the flesh, we would have an obligation to change our lives so that we're living by the principles of the flesh. In other words, our whole lives and all our behaviors, every aspect of our life is ruled 
by the flesh. That's one option, right, hypothetical option. But according to this passage, as you can see, Paul is making it very clear that we are not debtors to the flesh. We are not obligated to live according to the flesh, but implicitly here, we are called to live as debtors to the Spirit. We are called to live a life according to the rule of the Spirit, which means that all areas of our lives are to be governed by the principles of the Spirit. Think about Galatians 5. It continues. I just just read uh, a portion that describes the works of the flesh and what that would look like. But if you keep going in Galatians 5, you also see the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These works are supposed to characterize as, as new Christians, as Christians, as those who have a new life. They're supposed to characterize every aspect of our life because of what the Spirit does in our life. When my wife and I were trying to get out from under debt, for two years we worked really hard and got out from under debt. But, but during that time, every part of our financial situation was, was brought, uh, was governed by debt reduction. All right. So what we did, first of all, we evaluated how are we spending money, first step. Second step was reducing unnecessary expenditures, which, surprise, there were a lot of those. So we reduced those. And then anytime extra money came in, rather than buying a, a new iPad, rather than buying a new computer, rather than you know, purchasing an extended cable package, we funneled it all towards debt reduction. That was the governor of our life for a period of time. Well, for us to be debtors to the Spirit means that every aspect of our life should be brought under the governance of the Holy Spirit. Every aspect of our life is to be lived in a way that's pleasing to the Holy Spirit. Now, in our situation with financial debt reduction... As financial debtors, we didn't live extravagant lives. We couldn't live extravagant lives. So we weren't, you know, taking these really expensive trips to Tahiti and to the Bahamas like multiple times a year. That wasn't, we we didn't have these big expenditures. If we were going to do debt reduction, we had to do it in the small details of life, right? It was those, you know, going out to eat more often than we need to. These small areas, these small details of our life, those are what had to change. I think as Christians, uh, it's, it's, it's a similar case in our life. Oftentimes, I think as Christians, we think as long as we avoid the big, the big sins, right? As long as our life isn't drastically out of accord with the Spirit in the big areas, right? Then we're okay. You know, no big sin equals we're good with God. But that's not the picture of Scripture. The picture of Scripture is that we have a whole new life and all of our life is to be brought into conformity with the Spirit, which means even in the details, even in the relationships, even in the, the time that we spend, even in the money, the way we spend money, all of these small details, we are called to live lives in a conformity with the Spirit of God that dwells in us. The challenge for us as debtors to the Spirit is to live purposeful lives. Randy Pope, uh, he's a He's a pastor and author. He, he tells this funny story of um, a man who goes out to an archery range and he, and he shoots his bow and arrow. And it, and it just kind of, you know, shoots it blindly into the, into the field. And it gets stuck in a tree. And, and this guy comes and, and, he, and 
where the arrow is stuck in the tree, he goes and kind of builds a target around it and celebrates the victory of shooting right in the middle of the target. And that would be the opposite of purposeful living, right? We just kind of, we just do whatever we do and say, okay, yeah, that's, that's good. What, what the Spirit is calling us to do in this verse is, is very different than that. What the Spirit is calling us to do is to consider, even in the details, how can we more than we are now, how can we live in accordance with the Spirit? Think through relationships, for example. We have so many opportunities to live out our Christian faith, to live out the power of the Spirit in our relationships with our friends, encouraging one another, comforting one another, with our spouses if you're married, loving one another, being patient, forgiving sin, with your children, being patient, forgiving sin. There are so many opportunities to do this. In one, one area that I've been convicted in uh, lately of how I've not been doing this, I have not been living in accordance with the Spirit, living a life controlled by the Spirit, living a purposeful life, is in relationships with, with non-Christians. Now, I love the fact that as, as a pastor, I get to hang out with, with, uh, with you guys. We get to hang out with, the, with people in the church all the time. But what I don't have an opportunity to do as much is to hang out with those who aren't in the church, right? Which I enjoy doing. So I've started realizing that one of the opportunities I have is, is when I go out to eat, when I meet people for lunch, when I meet people for coffee, or even if I'm going to a coffee shop just to study. Those small kind of you know, uh, experiences, those small relationships, those small interactions are opportunities for me to live in accordance with the Spirit. Normally what I would do is to go in and walk into a coffee shop and you know, have a, some basic banter until I order my coffee, and then I'm done, and I'm shut off, right? Well, the Lord has been working in my life and convicting me of how I'm not loving the people that I'm encountering. So just the other day, I walked into a coffee shop, and uh, it was just myself and one other person who worked there, and I, and I asked this lady, I said, hey, how's it going? Just walking in. She said, it is going terrible. All right, so what do I do? Well, I've got a lot of stuff. To, I've only got an hour, and I've got a lot of work to do, all right? So this is what I want to do, right? This is my flesh rising up. My flesh is like, great, I'm sorry, you know, that's, that's tough. You know, there's, there's, there's tough days, right? And then I'm on to my coffee, thank you, and I'm down sitting at my table and I'm working, right? That's what I want to do. The Spirit at that moment convicted me that's not loving. That's not, that's not living a purposeful life in my relationships. So I, I begin to ask her, okay, well, tell me about it. What's, what's been going on? She proceeds to tell me in great detail uh, why her life is so miserable right now. Um, and it was a long conversation. And it was a conversation that disabled me from doing what I wanted to do, which was get a lot of work done at that time. Honestly, it was a sacrifice. At the end of the conversation, I was able to share the gospel with her. It was amazing because of this relational opportunity, this purposeful living, which I have been doing a horrible job, and how many opportunities have I missed to do that throughout my life? The Holy Spirit is calling us to live in this way as debtors we're called to live with purposeful, purpose, purposefulness in our relationships. Not only relationships, though. Think about uh, money, for example. And what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to give examples to show that this is practical. When I say purposeful living, I don't just mean some abstract way that we can be Christians in our minds. I mean in all of our habits, right? Relationships. Through money, how are you using your money? What does your, what does your budget look like? Are you giving? You know, are you, are you being faithful to, to live lives that, uh, that, that are frugal enough to where you can give away, to where you can tithe, to you can, where you can give to those in need. 
We're called to live purposeful lives. This, this is a new life we have in the Spirit. The Spirit comes in and changes us, which enables us in very practical ways to live new life. Not just relationships, not just money, but also time. How do you spend your time? Is it characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, with self-control, with goodness, with faithfulness? Are the things that you're doing in your spare time, and spare time's great, we need more of it, but are you living purposefully? Is your life purposeful, or is it like the guy who fires the arrow into the woods and just says, well, that's my target, that's what I'm doing, I must be okay. The Spirit is calling us to live a new life. Now, the tone here, I think, is not one that should weigh us down. The the point of Paul in this section is not to weigh us down with more obligations, with more burdens. The point is not to make you feel bad about the fact that you're not living purposeful lives as you should. The gospel tells us that, of course, you're not living purposeful lives as you should. Of course, you're not. The gospel of grace reminds us that Christ was the one who every moment of his life, he was purposeful. Every moment of his life, he lived in accord with the Spirit. So when it comes to living perfectly in this area, we can't do it. Christ did it for us. Which gives us a lot of freedom. Not a freedom to get lazy, but a freedom to take steps of growth. Christ did perfection. We get to, in the Holy Spirit, we get to do progress. Take steps, living more purposefully. When, when my wife and I, when we were doing the financial stuff, at first, kind of going through the spreadsheet of our budget was agony. I still don't love it, to be honest, but it was agony at first. I mean, one of, the, the, one of my least favorite parts of the week was going through that budget, right? And squeezing out those, those dollars and cents to, to you know, throw at debt reduction, that was just, that was just painful at first. But then, as I developed a habit of doing it, it actually, it actually became a little fun, not just doing the budget, but finding extra money to live purposefully. Finding extra money that allowed me to, 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 to wipe out debt faster than I would otherwise. It became invigorating. It became exciting. It became new ways to find uh, new opportunities to live purposefully. As Christians, every day, we have new opportunities to live purposefully in our lives. So I would encourage you, think through your situation. Think through relationships. Think through your time. Think through your money. What are some ways that God is calling you through this new life in the Spirit to live purposefully, to live in accordance with the Spirit? Well, that's one, that's one picture that we have. So this imagery of, of, of finances, of being debtors, The challenge is to live purposeful lives as debtors. But there's other pictures here, too. The next picture, it's a a contrast, is military. A military picture, military imagery. Romans 8, 13 continues. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, in the Spirit, as debtors, we have a purpose. But also, in the spirit, as soldiers, we have a battle to fight. If, if you thought that, that painting a picture of us as debtors was depressing, it, it gets worse. Paul says that there is so much at stake here, it's a matter of life and death. 
For if you live in, according, in accordance with the flesh, you will die. You will die. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. Separation from God. If you live according to the flesh, if your life is characterized by the flesh, then you, it leads to spiritual death. That's what's at stake here. But in contrast, rather than living in accordance with the, with the flesh, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What we see here is that there's no in-between. There's no neutral ground. We can't be like Switzerland in World War II, where we just kind of declare you know, a neutral stance. We can't do that. If we do that, we die. If we sort of declare a ceasefire with sin, sin's going to come in and destroy us. The two options that we see here because of the Spirit, because of the Spirit coming into our life, changing us, we have the option to fight sin. We have the option to fight sin, and we must fight sin. There is no peace treaty. Kill it, or it will kill you. That is the, that is the, the seriousness with which Paul treats sin in our lives. In the spirit, we have a new life, right? We have a new life. And part of this new life is doing battle with sin. You might ask the question, well, how? How do we do that? I want to suggest three ways. Three ways that we do battle with sin in the spirit. First of all, you have to remember your righteousness in Christ. Remember your Savior. The first thing the Spirit does, remember, is when He comes into our heart, He changes, He unites us to Christ. He brings, the whole, he brings Christ and us together into a union. And because of that, we are righteous in God's sight. The only way you and I can do battle with sin is because Jesus did battle with sin and was victorious. The only way you and I can struggle and grow in truthfulness, can grow in love, can grow in purity can grow in how we treat others is because Christ did it perfectly. He fought the battle every moment of every day for his entire life, and he won the battle every moment of every day. Because of that, we have his righteousness. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees the perfection of Christ. And because he was our champion, we get to fight too. So the first thing you do in this battle with sin, you can't go at it alone. You have to go at it with a knowledge that you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it's on that basis that you have a relationship with Christ. So first of all, you have to remember your Savior. But not only that, you have to remember your ally. We have the Holy Spirit in our heart. The, the third person of the Trinity the triune God who created this world, who sustains the world, who moves nations, who is powerful over every aspect of creation, every aspect of history. This is who we have dwelling in our hearts. He is our ally. And because of that, the sin that feels so real, the sin that feels so powerful, the sin that makes us think we can't win, we know that the triune God, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us is more powerful than that. We have to remember our ally. Think of it this way. If you were to go, uh, let, let's say some, some street thugs, right? We're picking a fight. And, and you were getting ready to get in a fight with these street thugs. 
by yourself, you're thinking, no way, I'm not interested. But what if you turn around and all of a sudden you've got a team of Navy SEALs behind you, right? Less concerned at that point, right? More confident, more willing to step in to the battle, right? Because you know your ally is stronger than your enemy. Guys, as Christians, our ally in the Holy Spirit is stronger than the sin that is our enemy. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's an easy fix. It doesn't mean that you won't fall at some times. But it does mean there is hope and real power for growth in our life. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. We are able to, because of his power in our life, we are able to fight. Third thing that I would encourage you to do if you're going to fight, if you're going to kill sin, is, is not only do you remember your Savior, not only do you remember your ally, but you join the fight yourself. It's not enough to just say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you do the work. God, I know that I have your righteousness in Christ, so I'm just going to sit back and kind of you know, go on cruise control. We can't do that. That's not an option biblically. What Christ calls us to do is to join the work of the Holy Spirit in killing sin relentlessly in our life. We have a Savior who's perfect for us, so we don't have to worry about perfection, right? We don't have to worry about that. He's not calling us to perfection. He's calling us to to grow, to, to progress in our holiness. Because of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to go to hopelessness. We don't have to be fut- we don't have to go to futility in our fight with sin. We are freed to join the battle. So fight. Fight. God is calling us to do war with the sin that is in our heart. You do this by praying, first and foremost. You do this by praying that God would, would give you a greater conviction of your sin. Psalm 139 ends with a prayer to test me, O God, search me, know all of my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any unpleasing way in me. We need to pray those prayers. Holy Spirit, give me conviction of sin. We need to pray that sin would be less appealing to us, that that God would continue to grow our desires for holiness, not for sin. Not only do we need to pray, but we need to fight with an intensity. Jesus in the Beatitudes says that if, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. That's the intensity with which Jesus counsels us to live in this war for sin. I've got a friend who talks about uh, our, our, our half-hearted struggles with sin. And, and his, his analogy is, look, if you're, if you're wanting to lose weight, and yet you're over there eating cheeseburgers like they're going out of style, then there's some disingenuous, you're, you're being disingenuous. You're, you're not really fighting. If you say you want to lose weight on the one hand, on the other hand, you're pounding in the cheeseburgers. You're not really fighting. There's no intensity to that battle. Jesus is calling us here to be intense in our battle against sin because, because it's a life or death thing. Remove the temptations in your life. You, you know better than anyone what sin you struggle with. Fight that sin relentlessly through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remove temptations. Take steps to get the temptation away from you. Pray that God would give you an ability to see sin in all of its horrors. That you would see that it truly does lead to death in your life. Pray for this. 
Not only do you fight with intensity, but bring community in. We are called to fight as a band of brothers. We are not called to fight alone this war. Bring in others. Confess your sins to one another. Ask for accountability. Ask for feedback. And try not to be defensive when they give it to you. Bring others into the battle. Finally, the word of God is powerful. Spiritually, it's our sword. And as you read it, if you're not experiencing some conviction, then that's, that's a, a dangerous place to be. Read the Bible. Pray for conviction. Pray for an ability to apply it to your life so the Holy Spirit shows you where you're out of accord with his desires. Again, remember, the point is that we do these things because we have a new Holy Spirit. We have a new spirit in us. We have a new reality. We have a Savior who's done it perfectly. So we get to progress. Finally, last image. Not only uh, are we debtors, not only are we soldiers, but finally, we are children. And so the challenge is very simple. Enjoy the family blessings. Romans 8 continues, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The story of the gospel is that we've gone from enemies to friends to children of the living God because of the grace of Christ. And as children, we get to experience family blessings. We are sons and daughters of God. So for example, we know that we belong We belong to someone. We belong somewhere. In a world that that challenges us, that's in this world that is so connected through Facebook, through Twitter, we feel disconnected. We feel lonely. Many of us today struggle with loneliness. So this truth that we are sons and daughters of God reminds us that we are not alone. That in fact we belong to the Father. We are valuable. We are prized by our Heavenly Father. We have a clear purpose. We have a clear identity. And we have a comfort in the midst of the worst sufferings that we can imagine. Because we know we have the presence of our Father. In this this passage, we see not only the blessings revealed in the word sons, but we also see, just even in this idea that if By the Spirit, you will put to death deeds of the body, you will live. Jesus says that I came to give you life and to give it abundantly. To give you a life characterized by joy, by peace, by patience, by all the fruits of the Spirit. What is our world looking for if not for love? If not for joy? If not for peace? This is what we all cry out for. This is what we all crave. As children, these are our family blessings. It's not an easy road, but it's a road that even in the midst of pain, we feel the love of God. Even in the midst of pain in this world, we feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Even in the midst of suffering, we know that there is a purpose. We have a Father who loves us, who accepts us. Not only that, but we're led by the Spirit, this passage says. We are led by the Spirit. I think about um, my own sons, 
And when, when we're walking, there, there are many times when I'll, I'll grab their hands to, to lead them. If we're walking through a parking lot and things are dangerous, I'll grab their hands and, and guide them, lead them for safety, for protection. If I look down and I see that they're a little bit anxious, a little uncertain, um, if, if they're in a crowd and they're wondering if, if things are okay, grab their hand and I, I lead them. If they're confused, they don't know where to go, unsure of what direction to turn, grab their hands and I'll lead them, giving them wisdom, giving them comfort, giving them protection. Guys, we get to, as sons and daughters of God, we have the very God who created the world, who hung the stars, who breathes life into us. He also, as a father, guides us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is with us, giving us comfort, giving us protection, and the worst that life has to offer. There's three pictures that hopefully bring some understanding of what this new life is in the Spirit. Remember the opening illustration, you look online and you see these snapshots of the house. You see these snapshots of different different parts of the house, and it helps you to kind of understand more and more what this would look like to live here. But if you found a house that you've fallen in love with, you don't stop there. You don't stop and look at these pictures. You actually go and check it out for yourselves. You actually go and experience it yourself. You don't stop at this mental understanding. You go and live it out. I would encourage you today that we have three pictures of what it looks like to live in the Spirit. My challenge to you, my encouragement to you, is to go and live it. Don't settle for pictures which stay up here. Go and live it. Pray for guidance, how to live a more purposeful life. And when you fail, rest in the arms of your Savior who did it perfectly. We have an opportunity to live a new life. Let's go in the power power of the Holy Spirit and live. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this new reality that you've given us, this new life. I thank you for the the blood of Christ, which enables us to be with you. The blood of Christ, which enables us to have a new relationship with you. Father, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, which transforms our lives, which gives us an ability to do war against sin, which gives us an ability to, to live purposeful lives, which gives us an ability to enjoy the blessings of being in the family. Father, work in us. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your patience, for your perseverance in our hearts. And God, give us a new conviction, a new commitment, a new devotion to go and live a life in the Spirit. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen.